Hey, um, if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 John chapter 4. We're going to be finishing up. I'm going to have Sarah. I threw her under the bus just now because I didn't think about it till here. But when I was a youth pastor, um, yeah, you ready? <laughs> when I was a youth pastor, we would do this song every now and then. This, this, this is a little dated. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to warn you. We're going to take it back. This could be ugly. (laughs) I'm going to give her time. I'm going to read this section of scripture just real quick as she figures this out. But in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, and this is the verse we're going to sing. So you'll never forget this song, all right? Or you'll never forget this verse. But it says this. um, Now ours says, dear friends, but in the version we're going to sing, it's it's beloved. Beloved, let us love one another for love comes from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. So, before I read the rest of it, are you ready, or do you want me to keep reading? Okay, all right. Here we go, and I'm going to turn my mic off, because she's going to lead us, but she's going to teach you a song. Oops, I I wouldn't say necessarily the favorite song, but they like to do it, Um, and it was just catchy. So, now that you remember that, I hope you never forget this Bible verse ever, because the whole idea is that, beloved, let us love one another, because love comes from God, and everybody who loves is born of God, and everyone who does not love is not born of God. And so there's a a truth behind this, and so we're going to jump in and and identify this. So let's continue reading uh, the rest of Scripture, verse 9. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, or throw in their beloved again, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made what? complete, perfected in us. In other words, there's this reality that when we love somebody else, when we love a brother, God's love is perfected in us or God's love is complete in us because love is an example of God in us first. And as a result, if we love somebody, then we are showing God's love to them. A lot of times I think we got this idea that if we love God and you know, just kind of put up with others that everything's okay. But the reality is this, that in scripture, if you love God, then you should love one another. This is kind of an ironic and funny thing because this is a, 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 a problem in most churches. And that's this, we become very self-focused, right? We begin to look inwardly and we're like, well, that person said something about me or that person did something. And so I'm not gonna love them because of what they've done or what they've said or how they've responded or anything else like this. But God is literally laying this out that when we do that, that we really are the furthest thing from God and we're not even showing we love God. As a matter of fact, God is not in us. And so there's some correction that goes on here that is really hard truth, especially if you grew up in the church that I grew up in, where there was a lot of conflict. There was a lot of controversy. And and sadly, that speaks anti-gospel more than anything else. It speaks against Jesus more than anything else. And so what he's trying to get to today is this, that love matters. As a matter of fact, our sermon title today is Love is Made Complete. All right? We have to begin to understand this. When I ask this question, you don't have to answer this. When I asked this question, I had to kind of really dig down and dig deep, but I want to ask you, what, is, what, what would you say is man's greatest need? Love. 
A matter of fact, I, I, as, I, as I was thinking about this, if, if we lived according to the world of guys like John, Paul, George, and Ringo, we would know that all you need is love. Love. Love is all you need, right? I mean, I'm not going to sing it, spare you with that. You know, if, if, if it was all about love, we would know that Tina Turner has got that nailed down, right? Um, if man's greatest need in life was pleasure, then God would have sent an entertainer. If man's greatest need was money, then God would have sent an advi- a financial advisor. If man's greatest need was information, he might have sent us a teacher, a philosopher, or maybe in today's world, a newscaster. But God in his infinite wisdom knew that great man's greatest need was salvation. But through salvation, God shows his love. To us. And so what we see over and over and over again is man's greatest need is love. Matter of fact, I say this, our greatest need is to be loved, and I say it as well, to give love to others. If you had no love, a matter of fact, there are scientific uh, studies that they've done with, with babies. I don't know where they did this. I don't know why they'd be like, hey, we're going to love this one, but we're not going to love this one. But the reality is when a child is not loved, they begin to respond differently. They begin to act differently. And I believe wholeheartedly that the world, when the world is not loved, and when your brother is not loved, then people begin to respond and act differently. So we're gonna jump in. If our greatest need is to be loved and to give love to others, then we have to begin to ask, what is it that we're supposed to do? If, if you remember, as we've gone through this In the Light series, we, the first part of, of 1 John is all about being in the light. How do I know I'm in the light? And in 1 John, uh, in the first couple of chapters, he says, look, you know if you're in the light by, number one, are you obedient to what God has called you to do? Number two, have you renounced sin? In other words, do you walk away from sin? We said this, that, that as a result of my relationship with Christ, it doesn't mean I'm sinless. In other words, I'll never sin again. It just means that I should sin less. Why? Because it's the conviction of the Spirit on my life saying this is what you're supposed to do and this is what you're not supposed to do. So therefore, because the Spirit lives in me, then I'm not going to do those things. So it's not that I'm going to sin less, all right, or, or be sinless. It's that I should sin less. So we be obedient. We renounce sin. Number three, he said we reject worldliness. And number four was this idea of keep the faith. And then in these last two chapters, chapter three and chapter four, it's how do we identify who children of God are? And he says basically a repetition again. Number one, children of God would renounce sin. In other words, they would walk away from what's going on in a sinful world. Number two, they would be obedient. We talked about that in, in the third one was to reject worldliness. And number four is this, to be loving. And this idea today is this, that love is made complete in us when we live the gospel out on a daily basis. God's love is made complete in us when we live the truth of the gospel out on a daily basis. In other words, we love God first and foremost. Matter of fact, I'm gonna say it this way. If you remember anything, I want you to remember this. We love others best when we love God most. We love others best when we love God most. You know, I think it's one of those struggles that a lot of times we will try and love people and love people and love people and at the same time neglect our relationship with God. And yet the reality is our love will always fall short because we love others best when we love God most. 
my result or my job, my, my, my priority as a father should not be to give all my kids the love and neglect my relationship with God. My result or my, my, my job, my priority should be that as I love the father, as I grow to love and know God more, as I learn to love his son and find out what Jesus wants for my life, that the more I grow in my relationship with God, the more my love for my kids and my wife comes out. That's why you can go in. If, as a matter of fact, I'll even say this. That's why counseling, when, when I have to biblically uh, give biblical counseling advice, when I deal with a couple who says, look, I'm trying to love my husband the best. Okay, great. How's your, how's your quiet time? How's your walk with God? Well, I don't have one. Okay, listen. When your husband or your wife is the primary thing, the primary focus, you're always gonna fail. Because you've put them up on a pedestal and the problem is that pedestal is easy to knock off. It's easy to knock them off the pedestal because you've turned them into the object of worship and affection rather than God into the object of of worship and affection. When you go down that road, you're going to set yourself up for failure. But when I love God first, here's the beauty of it. When I love God first and I serve God and I follow God and I'm obedient to God, God shows me how I should love others. God gives me the grace to give grace to those who need it because they've failed and, and they've gone against me. See, your, your marriage and your relationships are only gonna be as strong as your love for God. We love others best when we love God most or first. God has to be the primary focus. So my question today is this, what is godly love? And we're going to jump into this today as we dig in. We're going to follow along. I've only read a section of this. We're going to read more as we go. But if you follow along with me, what is godly love? Number one is this. God's love leads us to love one another. It's very simple, isn't it? What does a godly love look like? It's it's a love. God's love should lead me to love other people. One another specifically, meaning brothers or sisters within the body of Christ. But listen again what he says. Beloved, let us love one another. Why? Because love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. See, first John sets out and he says, God is light. In him, there's no darkness. Now he comes out and he says, God is love. And so we what we have to understand is that God lo- God's love leads us to love one another. It should be a simple fact. It is a growing op- uh, proposition in our life. We love others best when we love God most because God's love is true love. God's love or God is love. See, true love stems from the work of God in our lives. If I really love somebody, it's a result of the work of God in my life. He has saved me. I have fellowship with him. And as a result, I am able to love other people. But the absence of love is the evidence of not knowing God at all in my life. Because here's what happens. We want to hold everybody else to the standard that we feel is acceptable instead of saying, hey, the standard is based upon what God says is acceptable. See, there's a lot of times there's, there's problems with love because we want people to love the way we want them to love us. In other words, we have a standard. You should love me this way. And the question is, is your standard a biblical standard or is it just your expectation? See, God's love should lead us to love one another. And the reality also is this. When we start to ask the question, what does that word love mean? When it's played out, it is... Agape love, which is an un, 
Conditional love. God's unconditional love leads me to unconditionally love my brother or my sister. See, we're a conditional people, aren't we? Like, well, that dude stepped on my toes, so I'm not going to love him. Or that person violated my safe space. They, they came at me. They, they said something about me. You, hear, you, you, you know what I'm talking about because we have love with conditions. And a conditional love is always a failing love because it's not the love that's based upon what God set up in the first place. And so what is godly love? Godly love is an unconditional love to one another. Matter of fact, in John chapter 13, starting in verse 34, it says this, a new command, this is Jesus, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And then get this, this is the greatest statement he says, I believe, in this section. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Listen, notice he didn't say, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you can completely quote the books of the law. Or if you could give me a great theological stance and structure of of why you stand where you stand on the view of salvation and atonement. No, what does he say? By this, by your love for one another, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. What is a reflection of a disciple to everybody else? Love. Our love within the body of Christ is a reflection to everybody else outside to say that I am a disciple. My love, listen to me, my love easily becomes selfish. As a matter of fact, that's usually why we have arguments, isn't it, Sarah? Because I didn't get my way. All you got to do is go and ask your spouse, how, do, how come we have arguments? Usually one of us got offended. It was an expectation that we had that failed to get met. And since it failed to get met, I am now violated. I feel violated. And as a result, what am I going to do? I'm going to strike in the sense of a snake. It's like a rattlesnake all coiled up, ready to go. And I got the venom with my words, and I can use my words to hurt. Listen to what he says. Godly love or God's love should lead us to love one another, not based upon your own selfish desires, but based upon the needs for the other people. That's what he's playing out. And here's the beauty of it. Again, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. See, loving others is not a one-time decision, but I believe it's a lifetime decision. It's a decision every day that I wake up and I have to make. Loving others is a result of God's saving grace and the work of his spirit in me. Listen to what he says in verse eight and following. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. But listen now, listen to what he says. This is how God showed his love among us. So he says, if you wanna show your love to everybody else, this is how you do it, your love for one another. But listen to what he says. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So who is the initiator in the love aspect? God. God initiated love. We didn't seek out love. We weren't the ones who went after it. We weren't the ones who came up with the idea. That's what I love about how we love to identify love. 
The world loves to redefine what love is. When God is the one who established love, God is the one who initiated love, God is the one who defines love. But we're very good at trying to define love and reestablish or redefine love in the way that we think it is. But listen to what it says. Again, it says wholeheartedly, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as atoning sacrifice. So God's greatest gift is his love that he did. So I want you to understand this, that God initiated and sets the standard for love. God initiated and sets the standard for love. That's what he's laying out. Verse 11, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Our result or our goal as Christians should be that as a result of God's love for us, we should then love others just as he did. You could say, well, what, what, what's that mean? Well, let me give you some verses that we can think about. Number one is John 3.16. We can go down the old football sign, hold it up. But John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There is God's love. God initiated that love by sending his son. God set the standard. God initiated it. God came up with it. And then Romans chapter five, verse eight, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. There is the beauty of love played out, that God initiated it, that God set the standard for it, and at the same price that God paid the price for the love so that we could live in him. There's the beauty of love. God's love leads us to love one another, not because we first sought out God, but because God first sought out us. And here's the truth. Here's the matter that we look at when we get into scripture. The Bible is very clear on this, that God initiated it in you. In other words, he is drawing you. He is calling you. He initiated the love process. It's not that you went out and said, well, I think I'm looking for God. God's saying, I created you with a God-shaped hole in your heart, and you need to have me in that hole because otherwise you're going to try and fill that hole with everything else. God initiates the love. That's why when somebody says, well, I don't see how a loving God could send somebody to hell. God didn't send them to hell. God didn't keep them away. God has offered every opportunity through his son so that you don't experience that aspect. What God does is he initiates the love. You just reject it. See, here's the reality. I could choose to love my wife unconditionally and she could choose to reject it. She could say, I don't like the way you went about doing things. I don't like how you talked to me. I don't like what you bought me last Christmas. I have to bring that up because there was one time she asked for a vacuum cleaner for Christmas. I'm like, whoa, time out. This is not like one of those things that I'm going to get in trouble for later, right? Like, you know, I bought my wife a vacuum cleaner for Christmas. She's like, no, I really want a vacuum cleaner. I was like, is this one of those like loopholes I'm still going to get stuck in later. But you see what I'm saying? We have standards and stipulations and God's like, look, I got the standard is that you believe in my son. 
See, the reality is God has always loved us. God has always loved his creation. God has always loved mankind. That's why it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son because he loves you. He died for you. He paid the price for you. The simple fact is, do you accept love on his terms or are you just gonna walk away? Because he has the terms. His terms are this. If you love God, you will love the Son because God the Father and the Son are together. Matter of fact, that's what he's going on and he's gonna explain even more. But this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, let us also, or we also ought to love one another. And then verse 12, as a child, I could say, I remember thinking this, but no one has ever seen God. But if we love one another. God lives in us and his love is made complete. Listen to this and understand. Have you and I ever seen God? Nope. Matter of fact, there's a point in scripture where it talks about God hid Abraham in the cleft of the rock because if he was to see God, he would have been struck down by God's holiness. He would have died. There was a famous quote. I remember DC Talk used to play um, on, on one of their songs, but there's a, a, a quote that Billy Graham said, um, and he's using scripture. You can't see the wind, can you? You can see the effects of the wind, but you can't see the wind. You can't see God. You can see the effects of God, but you don't see God. You see God in his creation. You see God at work in his people. But listen again what he says in, in the following in verse 12. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. How do we see God? We see God in the love that others show to each other within the church. So what is godly love? Number one, God's love leads us to love one another. Number two, God's spirit leads us to love God and love the truth. Starting in verse 13, listen to what he says. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. So here's the truth. Here's what happens. God's spirit sets us or leads us to love God and to love the truth. And so we're literally what he's saying, we know that we live in him and he in us because of his spirit. You cannot acknowledge Jesus Christ's son if you don't have the spirit telling you to acknowledge the truth that, that, that that's who Jesus is. It's a faith-based action. The Spirit is working and drawing. Matter of fact, if you've never put your faith and trust in Christ, I would say this, I believe wholeheartedly that the Spirit is actively working right now at people across the room. It may be even, maybe you're a Christian already, but the Spirit is actively working in your life to get you where you need to be, to correct, to train, to rebuke through the power of Scripture, not through anything that, that we do, but through the power of Scripture. But listen again what he says, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son, you can't testify to the truth unless the Spirit is working in you. So we testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and we rely on the love God has for us. When I testify to what God has done, when I acknowledge the love of God and when I testify to the truth of his word that Jesus is the son of God, that God lives in him and he in God, that's 
the reality of what true love is. What is godly love? Godly love is one that leads me to love God more and to acknowledge the truth of his word. Why? Because that's how I change. The Spirit calls me to change. The Spirit calls me to love. The Spirit calls me to truth based upon the truth of his word. Not based upon my ideas. Listen, we all got ideas, right? I mean, heck, all you got to do is watch news and you got enough ideas for the day to fill up. But how do you identify what's right and what's wrong? How do you identify what you should or shouldn't do? How do you identify who you should marry or should marry? How do you identify partnerships in business? How do you identify or, or fulfill everything that God has called you to do? I do it through the truth of God's word. I have to dig in and understand it. See, the truth is that we didn't love God first because he first loved us. But the truth is that a believer's obedience is evidence of their faith in Christ. The truth is, is that we can enjoy an abiding relationship in God. That's John 15. I and the Father are one, he says. Anyone who bears much fruit, everything's great. There's going to be pruning. And as a result of pruning, there's going to be more growth. Those who don't bear fruit, what's going to happen? They don't bear any fruit. And as a result of not bearing fruit, it shows that they don't have a relationship with God. See, the truth is that apart from God's love and grace, we're broken messes who try to love others, but that love always has conditions. So number two, God's spirit leads us to love God and to love the truth. Number three is this, what is godly love? I believe God's love is made complete in us as a result of what he's done. In verses 12 and in following in verse 17, and we're gonna read up to verse 17, so follow along with me if you would, just at the end of verse 16. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. Listen to what he says, God is what? God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. And then listen to what he says in verse 17. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. So listen, here's the reality. Here's what's taking place as we unpack this scripture, all right? Love is made complete, right? Finished. If I have something that's incomplete, that means it's not what? It's not finished. It's not done. You know, there's lots of things. I mean, you may have something at home right now that's not done. Maybe it's lunch. Uh, and if it's not done, just stick around, all right? We already got it done, all right? But maybe there's something in your house that is not complete. It's not done. Maybe you started a project, you know, you pulled up some carpet, or maybe you started to paint the walls, or, or who knows? There's all kinds of things. I mean, heck, if you watch HGTV long enough, you got a lot of husbands who start jobs and realize that the wives are like, oh my gosh, I'm sick of this because he starts a job and never finishes it. You may have something that's incomplete, but listen to what he says again. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. Why? Because whoever lives in love lives in God. Listen, when you love somebody else, when you love one another, love is made complete. God's love is made complete in you. That means he's finishing his work. You and I are a work in progress. And when we show God's love on a daily basis to those around us, to the one another's within our lives, to the Christian brothers and sisters that we, when we show that love, God's love is made complete. He is finishing work. And the beauty of it is this, so that we have confidence on the day of judgment. 
Would you say, and, and, and I, I would say this, I'm, would you say that there's fear to face death? Everybody I've ever dealt with, I would say there's fear. There's fear. What's going to happen when I die? There's fear over what am I going to do? What's, what's going to be the response? How is everything going to go? But listen again what he says. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of what? Judgment. Confidence. Because in this world, we are like him. And then verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. God's love is made complete in us when we follow what he says. Matter of fact, in the famous words of Jerry Maguire, you complete. Yeah, you guys are all all young, maybe. I don't know. You complete me, all right? This idea of what we just saw here is this, that when we love one another, God's love completes me. You know, Jerry Maguire saying it to the girl in the movie, you complete me. And what God's saying is that when you love one another, my love completes you. It's completed. It's finished. It's carried out. Our love is complete because of our living in Christ. So yes, the love of God completes us. In this way, love is made complete among us, that I love one another. See, I would even ask this question, how do you love others within the body of Christ? And I just want you to write some things down, and you can, you can write whatever you come up with, what you think of, but I want to ask you this, how do I show my love for others within the body of Christ? Because that's what he's trying to get out to, get to. If God's love is made complete in us, then what I have to do is identify ways to show my love to others within the body of Christ. See, God's love in us is made complete. It's lacking something until we show that we love another brother is what he's saying. When it lacks something, then I need to figure out what it is that I can show another brother or sister that I love them. No love for our brother? According to the scripture, there's no love for God. But if I love my brother then I have love for God. So God's love is made complete in us. So what is godly love? It's a completed love. When I show love to another person, then I show God's love. Number four is this. What is godly love? God's love is a love that drives out fear. And I bring that up again to to, to focus on this. Listen to again what he says. We can stand with confidence. I love the word confidence. Confidence. Because confidence means that you can stand before him knowing you are what? Right. Confidence that you are assured. That you are in correct standing. So he says, in this way, love is made complete among us so that we have confidence on the day of judgment. In other words, the time when I will be judged and held accountable for everything that I've done in my life, I can stand before God with confidence and listen, without fear. Why? Because perfect love 
drives out fear. Perfect love identified as what God says it is, that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, that as a result of my faith in Jesus Christ, that his perfect love drives the fear out of my life. Why? Because I know that I can stand before God on the day of judgment, whether I die today or I die 30 years down the road. If I'm obedient to what he's called me to do and I live this love out, I can stand before him with confidence knowing that Jesus paid the price that I couldn't pay and that I can stand before him with great confidence and without fear that I am in right standing with God because I have acknowledged that Jesus is the only way. Perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. Why do we fear death? Why do we fear judgment? Usually it's because of punishment. Why did it, well, why do you fear breaking the law? I mean, honest, what's that? <laughs> yeah, it's getting caught. It's the punishment of it, right? I mean, the reality is if, if, if you broke the speed limit and the cops, you knew the cops were never going to pull you over. Never. No matter how fast you were going. How many of you would really follow the speed limit? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, like if, if the speed limit was 70 and you knew the cops, no matter what, would never pull you over, would you really go 70? You'd probably go 80, maybe 85, 90. I'll, I'll, I'll use this as an example. So Wyoming has raised its speed limit to 80 out on the interstate. But they got signs everywhere that says 80 means 80. And so people flip out because a cop will pull them over for doing 82. And they're like, I was just doing two over. Yeah, well, we raised it to 80 because everybody was doing 80 before. So we raised it to 80 so you could go 80. But when we post the sign that says 80 means 80, we mean 80. But notice how everybody kind of pushes the limit. So here's the reality of what's taking place. Perfect love drives out fear. Why? Because we know that we're not going to be held accountable for what we should have done, but rather Jesus paid the price for everything. So perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. Listen to what he's saying. You can stand with confidence at the end of time when God judges you for what you've done. Why? Not because of everything, anything you've done, but because simply the fact that God's love was sufficient enough to pay your price. To pay for the very thing that you broke day in and day out. To pay for your sin. God's perfect love casts out fear. And so the question always is this, when I'm dealing with somebody who's on their deathbed, what are you afraid of? And if you're a believer, I would tell you to say this, you should be afraid of nothing. Because the perfect love of God has wrapped his arms around you. And he says, don't fear. Because my love casts out fear. My love for you was so great that I sent my son for you so that you wouldn't be held accountable for all the times that you broke the law, but you would be seen as righteous, not based upon anything that you've done, but simply based upon the faith and trust that you have put, that you have acknowledged my son as Lord and Savior. You've put him first and foremost in your life. That's what he says. What is godly love? Godly love casts out fear. And I stand by you and say this as well. 
Are you a person who's afraid? Or maybe you know somebody who's fearful at times. And what I would encourage you is this. Not that you can show them the love that casts out fear, but you can point them to the one who can show them the love that casts out fear. Because the reality is, I could sit by your bedside and I could do everything I wanted to try and encourage you to say, you don't have to be afraid. And my words aren't going to bring you any hope. And my words are probably not going to give you great encouragement. But when I speak the words that God talks about, and I can speak with the love and the truth that the Bible says to say, hey, you don't have to be afraid. Why? Because my perfect love, God's perfect love, casts out fear. That's a truth that you can set your soul on, that you can build everything off of, that can be the anchor to your soul so that you can hold on to the truth of what God is trying to teach you. The beauty of God's love is something that you can anchor your life to. You don't have to live in fear. And listen, Christian, because I'm right there sometimes, I look at what the heck's going on around us and I'm like, oh my gosh. And what starts to creep in? Worry, fear, doubt, discouragement. And you know what I notice at that point? I notice in my life that my life isn't anchored to the word. My life has probably been anchored to news or Facebook updates or something somebody shared on some social media platform that I've seen. And I start to think and buy into the lies of what they're telling you. And what I'm telling you is this, that when you anchor yourself to the truth of God's word, when you anchor yourself to God's love, to realize that God's love casts out fear, then we shouldn't be afraid of what goes on. But what I'm afraid of a lot of times is that we allow everything in the world to determine how we respond. And a lot of times we don't respond with love, we respond with fear. Listen to how he finishes up, and I'm just going to wrap up with this. We love because he first loved us. Our love is a result of God's love first. It's never an action that you do on your own. It's because God loved you first. He's changing your heart. And as a result, we love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother... He's a liar. The two go hand in hand. Remember what we said earlier in John chapter 13. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you're my disciple. If you don't love your brother, then you don't understand and you don't know the love of God. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Here's what I want to encourage you with. Christian, do not be afraid because no matter what happens to you, you are sealed, you are secured, you are loved for eternity by the love of God in Christ Jesus. And I want to encourage you with this, is that you can stand with confidence before the throne, before the judgment because of Christ. Listen to Romans chapter 8, and this is how I'm going to finish, this is how I want to close. Just close your eyes and listen to this as I read, and I want you to think through this. Close your eyes, every head bowed, every eye closed, and just listen to God's word as I read it over you. Whom 
shall separate us or who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long and we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I just simply want to ask you that question. Have you let the love of God so infiltrate your heart, so change your mind, that you live it out, that you can love others, that it casts out the fear? Are you led by a spirit, that, by his spirit, that you can walk in truth, walk in with hope? Or do you continue to walk on your own, trying to do things on your own, trying to love people on your own, but at the same time realizing that it all comes with conditions? Listen, God's love came with no conditions other than this, that you must believe That's the beginning point. That if you believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose again, that you will be saved. That you believe with your heart and confess it with your mouth. And so here's the very simple thing. Christian, if you have already confessed that, let me ask this question. Are you living it out? Because love is made complete when we love a brother. God's love is made complete in us when we love a brother or sister in Christ. Father, we know today that we can try to even comprehend your love. And God, at times, I don't know that we can really understand it all completely. Knowing your love is without conditions, that your conditions were simply that that you sent your son because you loved the world. And you sent your son as a result to pay the price And that you sent your son so that anyone who believes in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, would be saved. God, we know that salvation comes by no other name under heaven by which man must be saved other than Jesus Christ. And so, God, I pray that maybe there's somebody here today who would say, my love is not complete. God, would they cry out to you, knowing that you complete them, that your love is made complete complete in them as a result of putting their faith and trust in Jesus first. Father, we thank you for the hope we have. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Here's